You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on self worst Welcome to Self Worst. I'm Brad Pearson. Uh, so we're having a fun week here in New York City, aren't we? Things really <laughs> took a turn, like real quick. Just like all of a sudden, within about 48, 24, 48 hour span, just everybody I know has COVID now in New York City. Fucking crazy. I'm waiting on a PCR test, waiting on the results. Uh, I took a test yesterday, and uh, we're going to find out. Uh, I might even, like, get the notification as I'm recording this. That's sort of what I'm hoping. I was hoping that was going to happen as I was uh, recording my interview with today's guest, Hannah Boone. We'll get to her in a second. But I just I feel like I need to vent for a minute. Is that okay? I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I... God, fuck. So many people I know uh, are COVID positive right now. And uh, they're all vaxxed and boosted and uh, this is not looking good. And I keep hearing people on, on socials being like, no, we get booster, get the booster. And I'm like, for what? Not to sound like a fucking anti-vaxxer, but like, sounds like that shit's not. Fuck. I don't know. I guess people aren't getting seriously ill yet. I don't know. It's all so fresh. I don't want to talk about it. I'm having like a live on-air meltdown right now. It's not live. I could take this again. But I'm not gonna. Fuck it. I'm not a fucking coward. Take one. I turned on the mic and we're doing this. I'm not going back. Even if this intro sucks. Because you know what? It sucks. It sucks out there. It's bad. And I think we're all... uh, Really is a pallor over the whole city right now. Pallor, is that the right word? 
a dark cloud of fucking droplets getting everybody sick walking right the fuck through our vaccines it's like in a horror movie you know when the character when the main character they wake up from a nightmare and they're like oh, oh, oh and they're in like a cold sweat and they're like oh Jesus that was really disturbing and then they look over to try and rouse their their spouse, their their partner, their loved one from sleep. It's a horrible monster! They're still in the nightmare. And it's just gonna be like that forever, apparently. This is never fucking going away. I just can't, I can't, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Anyway, that's the energy that I started this interview with. Uh, with Hannah Boone. My gracious guest. She brought a lot of honesty to the table. She has a great podcast called Disordered. They talk about mental health. Um, You know, they they go through various uh, mental disorders on every episode. That's sort of the the format of the show. And uh, she's got plenty of license to fucking talk about it. She's been there. She's been down that rabbit hole. She knows a thing or two about the crazies. So it's great to finally have her on the show. I don't know what else to fucking say, folks. Um, I feel like I'm gonna, in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna look back through all of the my episodes before this started and just really just, like, hate myself for the hubris. Just being like, yeah, I don't care. I, I, I've been going to shows and stuff. I go to the gym and we're all vaccinated. It's fine. Is it? Fuck. Like I said last week, we were supposed to go to uh, Nebraska this weekend, but I don't know if that's going to happen now. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or next week. That's the energy that we're in right now. Where we're all just kind of like, fuck, uh, I don't know. What's happening? Seems like everybody has COVID now. But most everybody who's vaccinated isn't super sick yet anyway. What the fuck is happening? Are they going to shut things down again? I was pretty confident that they wouldn't. I still kind of think that they won't. But I don't know. All bets are off now. This is not fun. I'm supposed to just get up and go to work tomorrow. We're back in that holding pattern where like all of 2020 was just like the world's falling apart in front of us. And we're just like, hey, gotta can't be late though. Gotta do that thing. I'm tired. Hope I'm not fatigued because of COVID. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, mentally tired. I don't know. Let's just go to the show, man. I'm not gonna. 
I'm not going to be able to give you anything that's going to make you feel better right now. I'm sorry. Other than this, we've been in this. We're going to be in this. And we're in this together. Virtually, as it were. Because I guess we can't fucking see each other and hug each other and kiss each other on the mouth anymore. Again. And we're not alone. And, uh, I don't know. The vaccines seem to be holding okay now. I don't know what the fuck to tell you, bro. Get tested. Don't go to the thing this weekend. Don't go to the thing tonight you were going to do. Eh, just stay home. Watch, watch a Netflix or something. You know, go back to, there's plenty of that. I finally started Pen15. I know I'm late to that party, but it doesn't matter now. Time doesn't exist anymore. We all died a couple years ago, and we're just in hell. But we got streaming. So I've been watching Pen15. Late to the party, I know. But it's pretty good. I also started another show, but I don't remember what. It's not Succession. I'm not watching. I don't want to watch Succession. I don't care. I know everybody loves Succession. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it just to be a contrarian at this point. Anyway, I was saying a second ago that we're gonna go to the interview, and then I went off on a whole other thing. I'm losing my fucking marbles right now, folks. That's okay. Fuck the marbles. They can stay lost. Right? I'll be dead in a year. <sighs> Rate and review us on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Give us a shout-out on social media. You know, uh, give us a, give us a, a little post us in your uh, in your in your Instagram stories that'd be cool do all of that stuff thank you I'll be on the other side of this uh, completely unhinged uh, interview and I'm gonna be just as crazy on the other side of it um if you want to hear more of a guy slowly unraveling room by himself drinking a LaCroix anyway let's go to the interview with my esteemed guest Hannah Boone hello hello how are you oh you know it's uh, been a weird <laughs> one out there uh, yeah it's kind of kind of not great vibes out there today uh so we're recording this on uh, december 16th which is basically uh march 12th 2020 uh, part two so uh we're having a great time we're doing great um i'm waiting right now on the results of a, a pcr test i'm not feeling sick i'm feeling okay but like I don't know how many people I know now have, have uh, tested positive. So uh, it's not looking great. Um, God, yeah, I like I hung out with my friend, went to work, then got a text. His coworker has COVID. So I'm yeah. like, great, I got to go get a test. And you went and got out. a test too? 
No, I just got the text. <laughs> like I have oh, to go okay. get it. Okay, so you have to go get a test tomorrow. Yeah, we yeah. might find out. Um, I took the test about 24 hours ago. I might, I'm going to keep my text notifications on. We might find out live on air whether that's or not I have COVID. Cute. So that's exciting. We might have to that's take a cool. little a little bit of a break for that. Uh, but we'll, cool. we'll see. Um, <laughs> so I apologize, Hannah, if the vibes are a little off today we're gonna do our best and not get like distracted with everything going on and try and uh focus but you know uh, this is a mental health podcast and i feel like today's been kind of a mental health day do you do you agree i was gonna say like i have no problem with things being off because someone needs it because of their mental health (laughs) like like like, totally (laughs) like i incorporate it if anything like we should be welcoming it fine it's different today yeah how how have your uh, how's your anxiety levels been over the last uh you know couple of days um because like i what i've noticed is i like i feel like i'm out of cortisol i feel like i'm out of dread i like i don't have any more left in my body anymore like when i heard about the variant and all that stuff a couple weeks ago i was kind of like yeah okay sure I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure we'll all get sick. We'll all die. Who cares? Like, I just, I don't fucking care anymore. I don't fucking care. You know? Absolutely. I have fatigue. I have fatigue from care. Like, I was so fucking scared when we went into lockdown. Also, also my life was like, I like with, with like just broke up with someone. Like Mm -hmm. I was not in a place. No one was in a place where they wanted to be locked down alone, but I was like very much like, ah, (laughs) And, um, and like scared of the disease and scared of all the deaths. And now it's like, it's hard because I don't want to be honest about it. Like, I'm so glad you said it because I don't want to sound like I don't care. But oh, I'm yeah. just, I like, I'm I don't want to sound callous and I don't want to sound like a, like anti-masker or anti-vaxxer or anything, but I'm just like, I'm done, man. I don't, I can't do it anymore. Like you I sounded perfect the way you said it, because I was like, <laughs> exactly like, like, it's just like yes, it's the end of the world. It's been the end of the world. Is what's happening? I don't know. Yeah, what do you want? I I I stopped like panicking and 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 like breathing heavy like a year ago, dude. Like I I can't do it anymore. You know, yeah. like I I I don't know what else to do. Like I definitely you know felt like I took a couple clicks back today. Like I was walking around and like was outside putting my mask on as I walked past people and felt like a lot less you know and just felt sort of automatic. Um, but I, I also just, I, I didn't, I'm not afraid really. I'm just sort of like, God damn it. I bought plane tickets. <laughs> you know, like, yep. fuck. I'm supposed what? to go see my stupid family. God damn it. No. Yeah. It's the inconvenience of it. It's the like, like this, it's because it, like, I don't know. It's, it's become such a part of our lives. Like it's like, we could die in a car accident. And like, if we didn't know about that, it'd be really scary to learn. But now we know about it and we drive, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, get vaccinated and all that, but like, eventually you become accustomed to like, okay, this is the, like, it becomes less fearful and more like, okay, I guess this is, we're integrating this into our lives. It's like, it's like if the Cuban missile crisis went on for two and a half years Instead of, you know, like, what was it, two weeks or something like that, or not even, you know, where they were just like, oh, fuck, this is bad. Um, And everybody was, you know, everybody's asshole was tightened, and we were all just like, oh, well, we weren't. I wasn't there. But, um, you know, 
from what I heard. It was it was a very it was a pretty tense situation. Um, and now it's just like the it, the dread just goes on and on and on. And you're just like after a while, you're just like, yeah, I still got to go to work and shit though. Like that's the thing. Like I feel like like to me, it reminded me of almost like blackmail. Like if someone were to blackmail me for a month, I might do whatever they said. But if someone was gonna blackmail me for years, I'd be like, just do the thing. You yeah. know, pull the trigger. <laughs> like now I'm just like, whatever. I don't know. I, I, I have to live. I don't know. I found, you know, maybe I'll find myself uh, eating my words um, in, you know, 10 minutes from now or so. But um, I, I, for a while, I found myself thinking like, you know what? I just hope I fucking get it. Like, I just, I, I'm like, I'm like, just come and get me now. Like, I don't fucking care anymore. Like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I, I'm, I'm tired of running from it. And I'm just like, fine, kill me. Like, I don't like, not that I think it's going to kill me. I'm vaccinated and everything will probably be fine. But still, like, Jesus Christ, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Right. Like living in the fear of something I feel like can be much worse than the thing itself is what I've learned. Yeah. Times over in my life. Yeah. Well, how are you outside of all of that? Very up and down. Mm-hmm. I had an, a very eventful, like, last six months. I heard. And, yeah, hugely eventful. And um, some days, like, for the most part, like, cruising, doing everything I'm really supposed to be doing, spiritually, physically, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm dealing with, anger a lot and i'm not used to that emotion and it's very uncomfortable it's not great how does it how does anger manifest itself with you do you uh like fly off the handle do you yell do you throw things do you hit things what do you i swallow it down Mm, i swallow it down and i'm and i i swallow it down until i no longer can and then maybe i yell at someone but the people i'm mad at i don't talk to anymore so that's not gonna happen um so i mostly just like try to and i try to cope like i try to like exercise or like something but like there's something about emoting when it comes to anger that like frightens me like i don't like it it's it's rough it's a very delicate one and it's something that i've had to uh grapple with so to speak um you know, quite a lot throughout my life. I, I'd say like one of my main uh, issues and my listeners will know this has been, you know, just having a bad temper, having a, having rage issues, which mm-hmm. goes along with having ADD, which I did not know for a long time that ADD causes emotional dysregulation in the same way that like um, the same way that bipolar or borderline personality disorder can. Um, yeah. But it totally can. It, like the part of your brain that, controls your emotional responses just kind of is underdeveloped. It just isn't really there. So your emotions become enormous and outsized for the task. And particularly anger um, for me has been a big one. And it's a whole other thing as like a guy with testosterone coursing through my veins. And, you know, just the fact that like, I just in a socio-political kind of uh, sense don't want to be a, you know, big, angry white guy. I feel like the world has plenty of those and don't need any more. And I don't want to be part of that whole problem. Um, 
but it's it's like an undeniable part of me that I've really had to work on managing. Um, and physical activity has been probably the main thing. Like I started doing Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, kickboxing, um, that that's been just like immensely helpful to have like a daily exercise that's like extremely physically demanding. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's really like, it's just been a combination of just meds and wisdom and just like forgiving myself and like trying to get back on the horse every time. But like, I, I mean, like anger is fucking difficult because it's not, there's other mental health things that I feel like society maybe has a little bit more sympathy for perhaps, um, or more patience with, or they're like, well, you're depressed. And like, so, you know, what can we do for you? But if you're just like a fucking angry dude who punches a hole in a wall, then like, you're just a dick and you just like suck and you're kind of irredeemable in some people's eyes. And like, I honestly can't blame them if like people don't, you know, if people feel weirded out by my vibe as like a, you know, red faced, angry white guy, like I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with mental health. That's always frustrated me, but I get it. But like I have borderline and I'm bipolar, but before I was diagnosed and before I ever had treatment, um, I was about 27 when I got treatment. So 26 and younger, I mean, I was out of my fucking mind. Like talk about anger. I would scream. I would explode. I would throw things. I would like, and it wasn't malicious. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing is you see someone doing that and you're like, what an asshole. But it's like, no, my emotions are so big that I don't know what to do. Yeah. And uh, my emotions are running so much more quickly than my logic. Yeah. That like it gets ahead of me. And now I've been through years of group therapy and DBT, um, like dialectical behavioral yeah, therapy. Yeah, I just started DBT uh, not too oh, long ago. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, and it worked. Like I didn't think I was getting it the whole like three years. I did it five days a week um, uh, for three years. And the whole three years I was like, this isn't sinking in. I'm not memorizing any of the rules. But like years later, like it did. It's in my subconscious. Like now when I'm like angry, I still... I don't explode anymore, which is great. I've gone too mm-hmm. far the other way. Um, but like sadness and happiness even and like any of my emotions, I'm very much able to regulate. I'm very much able to be like, okay, here's what we do when we're feeling blank. I'm very good at recognizing, did someone just hurt my feelings for real? And that's why I'm angry. Or is this a BPD thing? And they said, I'm going on vacation and it made me feel abandoned. And now I'm angry. Right. Like I'm very, I'm able to like sort of decipher, um, but I, I know what you mean when emotions yeah. are there. I mean, yeah. the, you know, when you say it's not like the anger isn't malicious, like I know what you mean because I'm not a violent person. Like I want to underline that, that like I, when I'm in that state, I don't want to hurt anybody. Right. Except maybe myself. Like mm-hmm. I will 100% put my fist through like a wall or a mirror or something and require like stitches or like break a bone in my hand. But I'm not going to hurt anyone else. But people who are witnessing that, they don't know that. They see a six foot tall guy who's screaming and red in the face and just like furious and it's fucking scary. I don't think of myself as a scary guy because I like to think that I'm like Mr. Therapy, touchy feely, like, you know, like nice boy. But like, I don't, 
I, I have to like keep in mind how I come across to other people. And like, that's, that's been a big thing that I've had to learn. And like, I think I'm maybe not as far along in that learning process as, as maybe you are. Um, but, uh, you know, tell me more about that. Like, how'd you, how'd you get there? Like, uh, let's talk about, you know, uh, pre 26 years old Hannah and, and, and what she was like. Oh my God. I was so insane. Well, I also like have a drug problem. I'm mm. in recovery now, but I, you know, felt huge. Well, a lot of PTSD uh, raised in a very abusive household. And then I just felt these huge, like my emotions. I was terrified of my emotions. I found drugs when I was 12, started using so scared of my feelings, like, thought that I could not live like suicidal just was like I can't survive my feelings like if I get disappointed it's like I'm gonna die and so I just numbed all the time and then the really the chaos happened when I got into romantic relationships mm. I was like a nightmare like I was like I want to move in with you never mind I'm gonna move across the country no wait never mind uh, I hate you oh no you're perfect I love you oh no I'm like I'm screaming at people like horrible the worst of it was in romantic relationships but i've had some friends like leave my life too like i just couldn't and i wasn't trying to hurt. again like i was just like this is chaos like i don't know how people like i would watch people just live and like be able to keep a job and i was yeah. like how are you doing that like don't you feel stuff and it's like they do but probably not to the extent because now as someone who doesn't really i mean i do feel things to the same extent but i know what to do with them and I'm like, oh, some people learned how to self-regulate as kids. Some people don't feel as deeply or with bigger, with these like dysregulated emotions. Right. And it, I just couldn't comprehend it. I thought everyone was like me, you know, I didn't know I was sick. Yeah, it's hard. Like when you're that young, you have no frame of reference, mm -hmm. which is why I think so many, uh, you know, uh, crazy people like us um, mm -hmm. get into Things like, uh, I don't know, science fiction, like X-Men is a big one, I think, that resonates with a lot of people. I know it resonates really strongly with um, the queer community because it's uh, because a lot of there's a lot of allegory about queerness and there, a lot of the characters themselves are fairly queer coded. But there's also the allegory of developing something around, you know, adolescence, around puberty that sets you apart and then makes you incapable of just being a regular person because there's two types of mutants in the X-Men world. There's the ones that can blend in and there's the ones that just simply cannot because their their skin's blue or they have a laser shooting out of their eyes constantly or everything that they everybody that they touch, you know, they they suck their life force out and like you know, it's um it, it's a metaphor for like it's a very effective metaphor when you're that young to, 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 to see something like, Oh, there's this, you know, I mean, I know it's not real, but there's, you know, these, these characters have something going on with them that, you know, makes them incapable of just being a normal person and just vibing. Cause that's what I feel like. I, I, I look at other people and I'm just like, what do you like? It's, it's like being on a different planet. Like, yeah. Yeah, like you, and you're, I, you're you're all just like going off to college and just like having kind of an easy time in your career paths, and I'm just like I feel fucking insane. <laughs> like I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and like, and then I'm like, I 
I compare myself to other people, which mm-hmm. is like a toxic thing I'm trying to stop doing. Yep. Um, but I compare myself to other people, especially because I spent so much of my life on drugs and like in recovery, it's like life does go much smoother. It's much better. But like, I have to accept that, like, I had opportunities that I squandered, like, I, my life will get started a little bit later. Yeah. Um, And it's due to my mental illness as well. Like, before treatment, I had no shot at a regular life. Like, no shot. Like, how could I? I was struggling to stay alive every day. I was in survival mode, you know? So it's just, like, I think it's also, like, a matter of accepting, like, okay, you know, we all have our shit. Everyone has their shit. This happens to be mine. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have mental illness. Uh, the wazoo. Okay. That's my shit. And like, everyone's going to be handed a different platter. And that's what's on mine. And okay. That's mine. Yeah. You know, it's hard to do though, because it's like, hard to do. And you have to like, part of me had to like, really take a moment and kind of, uh, I don't know, grieve kind of sounds like too touchy-feely of a word, but, like, really kind of regard that, like, no, I'm a good five, ten years behind where I could be, you know, given I know I'm smart on some level. Like, I know I have some sort of skill, talent. I have, like, people have told me this my whole life. Like, you know, like, oh, you're really smart. You're really good at this and you're really good at that. And I'm like, really? Because I can't fucking like hold down a job. I can't, I can barely like keep my shit together. I can't keep my apartment clean. I can't maintain a relationship. So like, where's these fucking brains you're talking about, you know? And like letting myself, you know, kind of be okay that like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit behind, you know, like I'm, I just turned 37 and like, I probably emotionally am around a 30 year old, you know, like at this point. And like, I just have to kind of be like, I'm at where I'm at and it's not you know, where I'm at. And not I mean, not, about it too much. and not to like preach too much, but it's just such a part of my life right now. I'm not preaching. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, it's part of my vocabulary, but like in recovery, it's <clears throat> in recovery. It's very much one day at a time. And like, that helps me a lot because I do that too, where I'm like, this person who's a year younger than me is 10 years ahead of me career wise. And then I'm like, but I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like there is no yesterday. There's no tomorrow. Like, I'm just doing the best I can today. Mm-hmm. And that's like all there is to do. And it just simplifies everything. And I'm like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is my story. I don't know where I'll be in five years. It could be somewhere amazing. Like, I have no idea. This is just like, this is perfect for me because it's what is. So it must be like perfectly right. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is hard to like. I do get angry sometimes. I'm like, why me? You know. Yeah, I mean, but. it sucks. It sucks. I just like, I'm, I'm so fucking old. I have nothing to show for it. I, <laughs> I have, I have like between two thousand and seven hundred dollars to my name at any given time. I can't fucking get my shit together, and I'm just like, this sucks. But like, I'm also like, I'm further. I'm doing better than I was five years ago. I'm doing better than I was ten years ago. I'm doing better than I was a year ago. Even mm-hmm. given everything that's happened in the last year, like I'm, I'm, I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm more disciplined, I'm more even keeled, I'm more confident now than I was, you know, and that's really all that you can, uh, 
do. Like it really just it has to be a, a race against yourself because that's that's the only person you can control. Um, so talk a little bit about like what was the you know the straw that broke the camel's back. What was it that like made you like okay I need to fucking get a handle. I need to get a grip. Well, it's kind of a funny story. So I was 26, unemployed, because I got fired again. You were living in New York? Yeah, I was living in New York. I moved here when I was 24. Um, so I was 26, and I just couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Like, I was so depressed. And for me, it's like two weeks of depression, two weeks of mania, two weeks of depression, two weeks, like more or less. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that. I thought mania was normal. Depressed was depressed. Um, so whatever. I was like, I'm in a depression. So I found a therapist and talked to her. She diagnosed me with borderline and was like, oh, by the way, I don't treat borderline people. And I was like, why? And she was like, it's too challenging. Like a lot of, and it turns out like yeah. a lot of therapists do not treat borderline. Um, so she sent me to this program that's usually a two year waiting list. I don't know what happened, but they rush ordered me and I got in immediately. <laughs> Um, so I started like the next week. So it must have been like a, you know, big alarm going off. Right. Um, they were like, oh, no, she's, she's, she's bored. She crazy. She's bored. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she needs to be in here. Or she's going to prison. So I went in and then it was um, group therapy five days a week plus DBT plus one individual session a week. Mm -hmm. So it was like a full time job. It was Monday through Friday. Um, and, uh, you know, it just became my routine. This was, this was like a state clinic or a private clinic? No, no, it was um, not private. They took, it's, it was at Mount Sinai, but uh -huh. they took my, um, like, Medicaid. Oh, that's so. good. That's how I was able to do it. Um, and it's like, the it, yeah, it's like a center for personality disorder. So it's not just borderline, right. but it is mostly borderline. And, um, and uh, it's like, it changed my life, saved my life. Like, mm -hmm. absolutely. I didn't even think I was getting anything out of it. I didn't understand why talking to a group of people with personality disorders for a few hours a day was going to change anything. But like, and I still don't, I have no idea, but it did. And it really worked. Um, and was really helpful. And I will say really quick too, is, is what's interesting about group therapy is the reason it exists is because the dynamics that happen within a group and group therapy or what happened outside to, to like the way I act in group therapy is the way I act outside. And so the, the therapist gets to observe how I act. And, and it was very interesting because the dynamics that happened in group, I mean, I could name the people that those of like outside of group that I had those dynamics with. It was like very interesting. So it's like a practice round of like real life. Basically it was very, it was cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something about uh, the therapist not treating um, BPD, which mm -hmm. you know is a thing. And you know we 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 already kind of talked a little bit about uh, certain uh, mental illnesses or mental issues being a lot more stigmatized than others. And I think BPD is definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, even the name, even the name is like. Like I've discussed this with my own therapist and like, and she, you know, she's in the profession and she's like, yeah, it's a bad name. I don't know why they call it that still. They should change it. Um, yeah. I've heard that they want to change it to 
uh, emotional dysregulation disorder or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, because it's, it's more about that. It's, you know, like the borderline being like the, why it's called borderline is because it's on the borderline of like psychopathy, which is yeah. pretty intense. And that's a pretty like fucked up thing to, uh, ascribe to, uh, people. Um, even if, you know, like, yeah, borderline people do kind of act a little psycho sometimes, but like they're doing it because they have big emotions and they don't know how to get them out of them. They're, they're like, they're stuck in this thing. Like, you know, like, so the more we understand about that, I think the better. Right. Yeah. And I just, I wish people understood. I wish people had a little more sympathy. Like I just, I just wish people, people have to protect themselves, right? Like if someone's dangerous, you have to get away or whatever. But I also wish people took the time to be like, like, I want people to know that people are in pain. Like, yeah. borderline is painful. Like, borderline people aren't just, like, dicks. Like, they're in a lot of pain a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, and it's personality disorders, from what I understand, as a layman, as a non-professional, um, are much harder to treat than mood disorders. So you got your mood disorders like depression, anxiety, OCD, all of those. And then you have personality disorders like borderline, narcissistic personality disorder, um, you know, psychopathy, sociopathy. Um, a lot of those tend to be not only very hard to treat, but like, you know, some are like damn near impossible to treat and are, you know, dangerous people. Like, so when borderline gets tossed in with that group of, you know, narcissists and like actual violent psychopaths that makes like that gives it a lot of baggage that it doesn't necessarily uh need or deserve because you know i i mean i've yet to hear of somebody with um with narcissistic personality disorder like getting their shit together and like you know realizing that they're okay and like they can they can they can work with it because it's baked into the disorder that nobody can tell you anything about yourself. And like, it's, it's right. like impossible. It's like impervious to treatment. Right. Um, but borderline isn't like that. It can be hard, but it's not impossible to overcome. Well, And I think it's really hard for people to realize they have a mental issue because society makes them seem so disgusting that like to look at yourself and say, Oh, I have a problem with X is really hard when society says that X is like the bottom of the totem pole in terms of like who you could be. Like when society saying X is disgusting, you don't want to be like, Oh, I have X. But like, if we just were like, Oh, it's a neutral thing. And we hope that, you, you know, it's like hard to look at yourself and decide, Oh, I have something everyone agrees is awful. Yeah. So, you know, for me, at least it would have been a lot easier to especially come to terms with the fact that I'm an addict if it wasn't so looked down upon, you know? Yeah. Um, what are your, uh, your go-tos with, with addiction? What are your, who, who are your guys? Oh, my drugs of choice? Yeah. Pretty much anything, mm. but um, like truly anything, but I'm a big pill head. So like Adderall and opiates were huge and then alcohol. So alcohol, um, Adderall and, and opiates were like my top guys, but I would, I mean, you put anything in front of me, I would do it. Anything. 
Um, did you did you stop or did you seek treatment for the addiction at the same time as the as the borderline? No, I was in rehab like six months ago. Mm. <laughs> um, but I knew I was an addict. Like I had tried everything. I tried reading books. I tried like I tried everything except recovery. Like I was like, I'm going to do books. I'm going to, you know, and honestly, I'm glad you exhausted all of your options because I feel like because that means that's fucking real for you. Like you, you are one addicted motherfucker. Like you, (laughs) it's real. I think that substance abuse and addiction are again, these are things that are kind of stigmatized in our society where I feel like a lot of people maybe have almost a bit of a, uh, uh, like addiction hypochondria, um, where they think that since they're using some substance to cope or have an unhealthy relationship with it at one particular part of their lives, then that means that they're just like a hopeless addict, which isn't necessarily true. Um, it needs to be examined and needs to be dealt with, but it's, I, I think that the all or nothing thinking of like, you either are somebody who has always, and every time just like had an okay relationship with alcohol, you can say no, you can have two drinks and be fine. And you know, you, you don't drink alone and you follow all the rules and you're just a good little patriotic American drinker, (laughs) or you're a fucking full blown alcoholic. Like it's people a lot of people I know have had issues with substances, but have treated the underlying mental thing and then they're sure. fine or they have a better relationship with it. And then there's people who like genuinely they like addiction is a part of their mental illness. And like, they have to just be like, nah, I'm, I'm done using substances because uh, I, I, I cannot stop. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things I did is I, when I got diagnosed bipolar, Mm -hmm. I remember being, I was, um, clean at the time off drugs. And I was like, so excited because I was like, Oh, I was just using cause I'm bipolar. Now I'm, now I'm medicated. So I use freely. And of course it tanked my life all over again. And, um, it just like, it was, I have tried every, like when I say everything, I mean, I've tried all kinds of like yogi program. Like I've done it all. I've done like all the stuff. And in the end I had to wave the white flag and go to rehab. I was like, I'm done fighting. I just gotta. As that was happening, were there like bells going off in your head? Were there like, you know, was there, um, kind of a, a like a voice in your head just being like, Hannah, this is not, going well and you're like shut up nerd like what what was what was going on there um i had an adderall prescription Mm -hmm. um and which i faked add to get (laughs) so that was warning number one sure um i'm lying to get adderall and then second i i couldn't i started i couldn't control it i just immediately out the gate i'd be like okay i'm not gonna take it until noon or like I was just trying to make arbitrary rules about it to see if I could control it couldn't minute I rolled out of bed I mean I didn't even roll out of bed I kept it next to my bed then I started crushing it and snorting it at night Mm. and um and then the big one for me that I really hate like this is what all this is what would always get me to quit drugs again was the lying 
Yeah. Like I would lie to people and say I wasn't on it. I would lie to people and say that what any number of lies, you know, but like mostly the lie was I'm clean. And like, it was that, or like, I would say I got a prescription for it. I was honest with some of my friends. I was like, I really don't think I can control this. Um, but it was like the people who like at work, I'm clean, you know, like it was, it was that that made me feel really like, I'm like, if I'm lying about it, it's probably an issue. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not something you can do, you know, around people, then it's, it's probably not a, you know, good rule. Yeah. I mean that, that applies to most things. There are some things that you're not supposed to do in front of other people, you know, to be right. Which is where, you know, uh, like, sex stuff and like sex addiction stuff as it were like i always have kind of a hard time with that world um yeah a few years ago well several years ago now um i went through a pretty bad breakup and found myself uh i wound up in slaa just just mm-hmm. like because i was just grasping at anything that could make sense um sure. and because i believed at the time and I was right that I was using sex as a as a drug as a as a coping strategy as like a as a little dopamine lever um and I I mean I know that it's been really helpful for some people I did not find it to be helpful um and you know I don't want to you know just like poo-poo the idea of SLAA if it if it works for you then like you know via con dios but uh I found personally that the model like the addiction model when it came to uh sex and sexual desires and things like that just wasn't really applicable for me like it it, it, because it's like no this is like a human thing this is uh you know again like this isn't I don't know if I need to like look at this through the lens of like a substance addiction kind of thing. And like, it was just kind of weird in there. Like there were guys in my group who weren't jerking off like ever. Mm. And I was just like, that's, is that going to help? Like, is that really going to, you know, like I remember thinking just like, that's going to make, like, you're going to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning, two weeks into this with a boner. You're not gonna be able to go back to sleep and you're going to just like, then what do you do? Like, you're not gonna be able right. to think about anything else. And you're just gonna like fucking drive yourself crazy. You could just take care of it in five minutes. You know what I, I mean? Like maybe like yeah. quit, quit looking at porn or quit going to like massage parlors or quit doing, you know, like fucking around right. or like whatever it is that got you in here. But I don't think that our, our, our old friend's masturbation is the problem here. You know, well, like I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so difficult. I think about food addiction and sex yeah. addiction is like, these are things that are basic human needs yes and it's very and that's what's hard about sex and food addiction is they both have 12 step and um it's like because for using drugs one rule we don't use that's it but for food and sex you write your own rules in slaa you write like what your bottom line is of like i don't go on i don't move in with someone after a week anymore or i don't you know, watch porn anymore or like you make it up. So it's like a takes a lot of self-awareness to be able. And also it's like, you have to eat, 
you have to come like yeah. these are the things we have to do so it's 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 a lot more nuanced with treatment for those things i think like it's like a much for me because i have the food and sex issues as well yeah i don't go to 12 step for them not at this point because it's too early in my drug recovery but um i like it's it's i would as hard as quitting drugs is, I would rather quit drugs any day because it's, I know what to do yeah. and that's it. Simple, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it, that's so much easier. Uh, like you, how are you supposed to like quit your, you know, your basic survival, like instinct drives? Like you can't, it's not possible. And it's so tied into other parts of your, you know, just your, your psyche, your development, your upbringing, all of that stuff like that. It's just like, Man, it's it 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 just, I, I think you're right. It requires just like a much like smaller, more nuanced, you know, tool set. We're talking like a little like the little eyeglass repair kit is in order, you know, rather than just like a like a hammer and a pliers, you know, like That's it's easy. it's just it's a lot more. The treatment has to be a lot more subtle, you know. Well, uh, and the honesty it requires. I mean, mm -hmm. so many people don't have. I mean, everyone possesses the ability, I believe, but so many people are so stubborn, including myself, against having the self-awareness to be like, I have a problem. Yeah. And this is what my problem looks like. Like, I'm figuring that out right now. And it's hard fucking work. It's hard work to admit you need help. And then it's really hard work to look at what you need help with because it's not pretty, you know? Yeah. This time around, uh, you know, six months ago or so, when you when you entered rehab, what was what was it that uh, that precipitated that? Well, it was the Adderall, whatever. It was the Adderall prescription, and it got really bad, and I couldn't stop. And then, in order, <laughs> this is addict logic, in order to stop using the Adderall because I had to go to sleep at some point, in order to stop using it during the day, I would replace it with then with opiates I would come down with opiates mm -hmm. so now I'm not I'm not clean like I am in a state of being fucked up from when I wake up to when I go to sleep like there is no moment of clarity right and I eventually couldn't stop the Adderall and wasn't sleeping um to the point where I was having a psychotic break which has happened before with drugs for me um but I was talking to my therapist and I was talking about something that I was sure was happening. I thought somebody was like scheming behind my back and I was like, this is happening. And he was like, you believe that this person is doing this thing. And it was completely made up out of thin air. I was like, I just know. And it wasn't real. And, um, that was not the worst psychotic break I've had. I've had full What's on. the worst one. Can you tell me about that one? Oh yeah. I had full on, I was with my boyfriend at the time and we were sitting in his room. When was this? this was in 2015, so I was okay. 25. Yeah. Um, we were sitting in his room, and all these people showed up for a party and like brought a pizza, and people were like eating pizza and talking. And I was talking to everybody, and then all of a sudden, everyone vanished, poof into thin air. And I just my boyfriend left, and I was like, "What happened to everybody?" And he was like, "Who?" And I had like totally thought there was like a party going on and I was like talking to people. I don't know who he thought I was talking to. I mean, he must've been talking to me or something, but I thought I was talking to like wow. people and then they just vanished and they were gone. That was probably my worst psychotic break. I've had a few like that. That had to be terrifying to just like. 
I was so like uh, really like experience like a like a complete altered reality. Like there are people in the room who aren't there. Like how do you trust yourself again after that? Like how do you not feel just like completely insane? Like how do you how do you know why I'm talking to you right now? Right. Well, I didn't come back. I mean, I was so out of my mind that like that didn't scare me. Mm. I was like, oh, I saw some people. Okay, time to go to bed. You know, like I was like so. Not. So and so it was really only like in hindsight, like years later, you're just like, holy shit. And I ended up in a psych ward after that. And even then I was like, why am I here? Um, but yeah, it was like now I'm like, oh, that was a full psychotic break. And I actually have to watch out for those. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, as long as I'm not doing drugs, I've never had one in like wall clean. Like I've never you were, had you were doing drugs at the at the pizza party as well. Yeah, yeah, and I hadn't I hadn't slept in four days, hmm. so naturally I broke, and that's what was happening this last round. Is I I was at the beginning of a psychotic break because I wasn't sleeping, and uppers do that. Uppers yeah. will cause paranoia and psychotic breaks. So and your therapist just sort of flagged it and was like, "You gotta, you gotta." Yeah. My therapist was like, I'm actually at a point where like, he doesn't give advice. And he was like, I'm not even giving advice. Like I need to, I will like, I might need to lock you into a psych ward or you can go yourself. Like I, this isn't safe. Right. And, and, and I, I frankly was scared. Like I was losing control. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I called him and was like, I'm going to go. And I, I went to the hospital and they transferred me to rehab like the next day. What's the hardest part of um, the the rehab process? Is it like the first day, like getting clean, or is it just like looking at the, all the time or getting out? What is it? The physical withdrawal mm -hmm. is horrendous. I didn't have it this time. I had it last round because I was withdrawing off opiates. Um, but it's just like you feel like you have the flu. And then it's also this feeling of being trapped. Like I wasn't. I could walk out at any time. But... I knew that I shouldn't and I felt trapped. Like I felt like it's a hallway. There's a room at the end of the hallway and then there's your bedroom. Like that's it. Like, and you don't go outside. So it's like, I'm just pacing in this building for two weeks feeling like I'm in a cage. And then it's the first three days when you don't know anybody. But then once you start to know people and get to know people, it's actually kind of nice. Like I was kind of lovely. Like I got to know really cool people and they do your laundry for you and they cook for you. And, you know, and this is not a nice rehab either. Like this is like a shitty rehab that I went to because I can't afford like a nice one. Um, and it was still pretty good. Like I met some interesting folks who I'm still friends with and. You know, yeah, I, that's good because I've heard a lot of horror stories about, um, you know, uh, people getting committed at, you know, at, at states uh, facilities or, or like underfunded rehabs. And it's just like, oh, that if like I thought shit was bad on the outside, this is really bad. Oh, the psych ward I went to was. Yeah. Top. I mean, horror show. Yeah. Awful. 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 I mean, they because they don't have any money. They just stick. You're not divided up by your illness. Right. I'm in there with everyone. So there's violent people I'm in there with. They have to break up a lot of fights. It's a lot of screaming. There's nothing to do. It's, again, a hallway. Yeah. No activity. Like, rehab had activities and groups. Psych ward has nothing. So you, I, was pace, I was pacing by the end. Like, I'd walk laps around my room and stuff. Like, it was, like, really bad. <laughs> When you get out, um, 
what's the first thing on your mind? Like, what are the first steps? You're like, okay, now I do what? Leaving rehab, the the first thing you go to a meeting. I left rehab. I mean, if you're doing 12 step, I know not everyone does 12 step, but I, I left rehab and met with my sponsor and we went to a meeting. Like I did not stop anywhere else first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, and that just started the ball rolling. Cause like, it's too tricky. Like the taste of freedom is like so tempting. It right. is so tempting to just go buck wild because you just cleaned up. You know, and there's no one looking at me or telling me what to do. There's no rules. Like, I'm not handcuffed to anything. Like, I can go fucking, you know, do whatever I want. And that's, like, a really scary thing. You know, the freedom. Yeah. It's, I think, a thing that people don't talk about enough is that uh, when you stop a self-destructive behavior and your life is you know net positive effect like it's a net positive effect on your life and you can see that rationally you're like doing better now i live in a nice apartment i am doing you know i I have a better job and like just i'm I'm healthier Mm -hmm. but across the board what i've heard is the thing that people don't really talk about is that like oh but i also really miss when i was like in my fucking sickness because it was a fucking blast like that's the thing that people don't want to talk about because i mean i understand that like you know like on some level you have to convince yourself that like no that was bad but like the way that it's especially like portrayed in like media is like you know it's like the um like forrest gump you know like jenny from forrest gump like you know abject misery addiction crack houses and stuff and it's just like no 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 for a while you feel fucking incredible you feel I've had to grieve that. I've had to grieve that it'll I'll never drink like I did when I was 19 ever again. It mm-hmm. will never be a community of people drinking with me, cheering me on. I will never be able to do that again. I mm-hmm. will never be able to pop a few Percocet and escape with you know what I miss is the the not being aware is not realizing I have a problem mm-hmm. with anything before I realized I was bipolar, before I, I mean it was miserable, but it was also like the freedom of acting however the fuck I want, whenever I want, doing drugs whenever I want, like numbing out. Like, yeah, I, there is something I have to mourn. Like, I am grieving that I like the lack of responsibility I had was nice, and like getting high with and like not having to feel my feelings without being aware that it was ruining my life was like pretty nice, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite podcasts um, is, oh, yeah, dude, it's been running for like forever. You know, it's it's up there with like Keith and the girl, like like pioneer, you know, day one podcasts. Um, and they're both sober at this point. But uh, one of the guys has been kind of like on and off. But the, the one guy has been sober the entire time because he apparently was just like a just train wreck alcoholic. Um, mm-hmm. But what's really refreshing about the way he talks about it is he's just like, yeah, cause I'm sober and it fucking sucks. <laughs> My wife, yeah. This sucks. Yeah, this right? sucks. I want to drink it. I can't cause I fucking suck at it. And like, I won't be able to stop. I know that I can't. And like every day is pain. And it's just like, okay, thank you. Thank you for like, 
for saying that. Like, I mean, he's he's fine. He's doing good. He's happy. He's got like you know one of the best podcasts in the world. But like, is also just like, fuck. Like, I wish I could just have a beer and watch the fucking game. Like, dude, so badly. Like, I like listen. If you told me I could never eat carrots again, yeah. I would want carrots all the time. I don't care about carrots, and I don't care about carrots now. Drugs. I wasn't just doing them for fun. They helped me survive. Like they like mm. medicated me. So like they were the my number one love. They be, they came before everyone. They came before other people. They came before me. They came before jobs. They came before my house. They came before they were number one, my love of my life. And I can't have them. And I'm like, I mean, it's a grieving process for mm. sure. It's a big relationship to lose. Yeah. Um, how have you dealt with, you know, just uh, the fallout, the consequences, the other side of it, the 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 um, the backlash, and you know, maybe losing friendships, losing relationships, and 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 all of that stuff, and just knowing that like there's some people who I just like I fucked things up with them, and they don't ever have to forgive me, and I get it. It's. Yeah. I'm angry at those people. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little nuanced. My sister, I completely fucked over, lied to, stole from. I get why she doesn't speak to me right now. Like, mm -hmm. completely. That's one of those where I, I give it up to, like, I, I say God. I'm not very religious, but, sure. like, I give it up to them. We say, we say God in, in quotes. Yeah, like, in short, for it's one syllable. It's easy to say. Yeah. So, give it up to God. You know, what will be, will be when I'm at, on the step where I make apologies, I will be sh for sure sending her a letter. If she wants to respond, okay. If she doesn't, that's also okay. Um, I also now, during my using, made friends with some very sick people. Mm -hmm. And the way they treated me coming out of rehab was, like, really harsh and probably not cool. I would say. So I'm like angry at the way I was treated, but I also am praying sort of to be able to forgive them because mm -hmm. I need to be able to forgive them because if anyone can understand a sick person acting not nice, it's me. And I would want to be forgiven for the way I've acted not nice when I'm sick. Um, but yeah, it was like really like someone I had a bunch of stuff, like expensive things at their apartment instead of giving them back to me when I got out of rehab, they sold them. And wow. like someone- These are still people actively using or? I, this one, I think just started using again, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, yeah. um, but but in addict. Yeah. Um, one person not an addict, but the day I got out of rehab, they were like, you need to apologize for everything you've done. And I was like, totally let's have a talk in like two months when I'm more stable yeah. and we can absolutely discuss that. And they were like now, or I'm not your friend anymore. And I was like, then I guess you're not my, like, I'm not, my sponsor was like, no, like right. you cannot do that right now. <laughs> and um, I was like, sorry, man, my sponsor's telling me I'm not ready. And I believe her. And I, it, again, in a month or two, yes, let's have that talk because I owe it to you. But yeah. not right now. And for some reason that ended the friendship. Like it was like odd nuance things like that. More than it was like a simple. Except for my sister. That was very simple. Stole right. from her. Lied to her. Sure. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Fair. 
Yeah, it's um, so I came to know you and 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 your work through your um, your podcast, uh, Disordered. Is that still mm-hmm. running? It's been on a break because of everything that's happened, yeah. and also my co-host decided they don't want to be part of it anymore. Sure. Um, so, but I did just that's well, whatever. I just got some new podcast equipment. Sure. I had um, had to replace it, and uh, so now that I have that, I should be up and running like probably by well, definitely in the next year, probably January, but maybe February. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, so I, so many people I know who run podcasts that center somewhere around mental health, um, you know, myself included. Um, I mean, just like the, the fascination with the world of it kind of never stops. You know, like I feel like I'm, you know, in spite of everything going on this week, uh, we're not having a great week. Um, I'm feeling pretty okay right now. Um, and I owe that to just religiously studying and poring over, you know, uh, not like, not only books, but also, yeah, just podcasts and, and other conversations about mental health. Um, you know, one of the big ones I started with, of course, was the mental illness happy hour. I think that's mm-hmm. like the, that's like the Bible of, uh, of, of mental, mental illness podcasts. Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's the number one, but, um, just hearing about the struggles and hearing about people, other people's experiences with it is just, that's number one, man. Like that's to, to know that you're not alone in it is, is huge. Huge. And that's why, like I said, like everyone has their own route for recovery, but group therapy was so helpful to me being in a 12 step program is so helpful for me because I'm surrounded by people who understand what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know, and I can listen to them and I understand what they're talking about. I mean, community is probably the biggest, uh, it's pretty close to a panacea when it comes to uh, uh, treating kind of whatever ails you. Um, just having a sense of community and family. I mean, there's, that famous study with the fucking like the rat park and the 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 mm-hmm. rat coke addicts and they, the already. isolated rats who like got all coked out and the unisolated rats who had like a family and shit to do like they were they were totally fine they could take or leave the coke and you know um that's like community is the biggest part and that's i think something that i mean again I hate it. I'm so fucking tired of talking about the fucking pandemic, but it's a thing that it (laughs) robbed us of. Like it, like community was really hard to find. And, you know, you can really only be so, uh, intimate with somebody over a zoom screen. Like I've feel like I've adapted to it because like, this is just how we've been doing things for so long now that there was a learning curve at first. And now I feel like I can kind of have a, uh, a more lucid conversation with somebody over zoom, but it's still like something, you know, I have to just accept and admit that something is lost in translation. Um, but the thing that really more than anything helped me was getting involved with, um, my, with a mutual aid organization here in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and like everybody else who I've talked to who was part of their, you know, local mutual aid organizations were just like, Oh yeah. Like, I did it because 
A, it's the right thing to do, but like B, like I also needed that. I needed yeah. to feel like I was doing something and just like, well, and yeah, yeah just, just yeah, being sorry. out there pounding the pavement and, and like literally delivering, you know, food and goods to people is just like, okay, I am physically doing something. This is a thing. Like, well, yeah. And I mean, acts of service and like helping people mm-hmm. is huge for your mental health. So is community. So if you can get it wrapped into one, like, yes, that is a dose of like, absolutely. It's a great idea. That is just like a dose of that's what church is supposed to be like it's not (laughs) supposed to be this like insane patriarchal you know uh socially conservative weird power dynamic thing that's meant to hoard a bunch of money and evade taxes and protect pedophiles and all the fucking horrible things that religion does um you know regulate women's bodies and keep down gay people and fuck with people in other countries uh, what is supposed to do for people is build a sense of like shoulder to shoulder community with people around you and connect to a higher power and be of service to your fellow man. Like that's it. Like that's, that's the heart and soul of what it's supposed to be. But like we've, we've wandered, we've strayed so far from all of that stuff. It's just so insane. I know. I, I agree. Know. It's also very funny. You can't see this on the screen, but I kind of look like Jesus right now. I have like a halo. <laughs> you have like a halo behind you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. It's wild. Um, what do you do for um, dopamine these days? What What are your, you know, like since so many things are, are, are no-goes for you now, like what are your, what are your like, I am feeling bad. I need to do something to kind of reset here well the most important for me is the daily upkeep like it's not about i feel bad what can i do because by the time i'm feeling bad enough it's like too late Mm -hmm. like i'm already gonna act in about in a way i don't want to act so like or like if i get that low if i'm low that's fine but like you know like the bad place so i just try to not get into the bad place so like when i wake up i have a routine i don't look at my phone my alarm goes off. I press it, put my phone back down. That's a whole other fucking level of self-control that you have there. So like, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like, cause that's such a surge of dopamine that to start your day with a surge of dopamine like that, everything for the rest of the day is going to feel less than because mm-hmm. you're not getting surges of dopamine. Like, like you are when you look at your phone. So like I try to start my day off with not too much dopamine. Like I just breathe in my bed for a few minutes. Then I journal, have my coffee, then I'll like start looking at my phone after like an hour. Um, but like, yeah, honestly, you know what I'm doing? Exercise mm-hmm. and TikTok, baby. I'm just fucking scrolling through TikTok and it keeps my mind numb. I did like an hour a day and it keeps my mind numb for an hour. It's a nice little escape. What are your, uh, what are your go-to exercises? I just freaked out and bought a Peloton. So oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used most of my savings, um, but I bought a Peloton and so I lift weights and um, I bike. Okay. Yeah. That'll do it. I mean, you know, again, like this, this was a like pandemic fitness was a whole project that, that people had. I was, I was fucking the entire year just shadow boxing in my room. Like, like yep. the guy slowly going crazy in that movie old boy. Um, I bought a, I bought a kettlebell, um, you know, like stuff like that. But like, it really, 
I cannot express how much of a um, a boon, no pun intended, that was to my mental health. Um, just to have Dude. something to do yeah. every day, something that was going to uh, generate endorphins, something that was going to make me feel like I did something, you right. know, um, that just like also pushing myself through something uncomfortable, I think was learning the discipline of, of doing that, of, of getting through a workout that I don't really want to start in the first place yes. because, um, and, and again, like for me anyway, that's why I need such intense modes of exercise is because I needed to kind of hurt a little, like there is a masochistic element to it. Um, and I need it to sort of suck. Um, because then that fills me with a sense of clarity and accomplishment on the other side of that, you know, discomfort. Well, yeah. I mean, exercise taught me the most important lesson I've ever needed to learn, which is how to sit through discomfort. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, to come full circle, it's like, I was numbing my feelings. I couldn't handle how big my feelings were. Yeah. And exercise teaches me to be like, okay, you can sit for two minutes during an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. There's, um, so there's this instructor I really like. I shout him out here all the time. Uh, Diego Lopez. He's also, he, he does comedy oh, Diego. stuff. Um, yeah. He um, was doing kettlebell training over uh, Instagram uh, for a while. And one of his videos was four five minute rounds of long cycle where you're just constantly just swinging that bell and thrusting it over your head and, and like dropping it down and, and you don't stop moving. You don't put the bell down. And after like 30 seconds of it, you start to like regret every decision you've ever made. Right. And you have to just keep going and you have to stop for two minutes and take a breather and then start again. And like, and, and the whole time he's telling you sit with this discomfort and don't try and go anywhere else and just, just, just be here with it. And then before you know it, it'll be over and you will have done it and you're, you're stronger now. And yeah. just learning to like, sit through like actual physical pain you know like like Absolutely. this thing is it's slapping against my forearms it's grinding all the skin off of my palm it's not great don't like yeah. it um, yeah i am uncomfortable but i can do it and just like the mental conditioning as well as the physical is is like the thing that i was because I was never a athletic kid, you know, I was like a, oh, I was like a little nerd fucking Star Wars Lord of the Rings kid, you know, yep. and like the thing, like the hump that I never got past was just that was just the like, no, it's supposed to suck. It's supposed to be uncomfortable and you have to accept that and you have to embrace that. You have to embrace the, the shitty part. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. You know, right. like that's the part that I just couldn't do until I was in my 30s. Well, and people need accomplishment and you can't accomplish your goals every single day. So like have little goals you accomplish. You know what I mean? Like if I get mm -hmm. through a really difficult workout, like that's an accomplishment. That's awesome. And like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, like all my career goals are completed today. But like I got through a hard workout. That was cool. Yeah. You know, I, you know, you know, made my bed. That was cool. You know, like little things. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I don't know. I mean, having a to-do list is uh, i don't know it, it's it's possible but like when i'm in my like 
depths of my depression, there's nothing worse than just not getting anything done on a to-do list and just Uh, feeling like even worse, you know? No, when I'm in a depression, my to-do list is like brush your teeth once. Yeah. Yeah, and just allowing yourself to like have that, you know, just allowing yourself to be like, that's what I did. And, uh, you know... I rag on capitalism a whole lot and I'm going to do it again right now because (laughs) the thing that it does to us when we internalize it is it makes us feel, you know, it gets us into that fucking Sigma grind set, bro. You know, like makes us feel like we're supposed to be doing all of this shit and being productive all of the time. And we just went through an entire year. Might go through another where, um, (laughs) we, we can't fucking really do much of anything. And, the yeah. goal is survival. The goal is just stay healthy and don't, you know, get anyone else sick. And that's it. And, like, yeah. being okay with that, like, that's a, such an adjustment. It's fucking nuts. Well, also, the secret that capitalism doesn't want you to know is the hustle grind shit doesn't actually make a difference. I have taken time. I have intentionally taken time off of trying to do stand-up. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. I still got asked to do show. In fact, I recently made a decision, which now might not matter anymore, but I made a decision to only do paying shows or shows where I'm headlining or both. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm doing a little less stand-up, but it's a lot better. It's a lot better. And I'm still being asked to do shows. Like I thought that I would stop trying to get out there. And so it would stop. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't need to be dying to do stand-up. I can go like, do a show I think is fun yeah I think that's that's the fear that I think a lot of people in stand-up in particular have is like the you know the grind culture is real in stand-up like going to mics and going to like as many like you know hitting mics and hitting the stage as many times as you can in a week it's it's, and yeah I mean like burning the candle at both ends like that because most of you are you know you're broke and you yep. have a day job and you have to get up in the morning and you also have to be out until 2 a.m. And like, you can't fucking do it forever. Well, and what about my other goals? I don't want to be an open micer for my life. Like, right. I don't want to do that. Like, I want to write a book really badly. So I cut back on my stand-up. I quit open mics altogether. That's I only good. do paid shows now. And I only do paid shows. So maybe I do four a month. Mm-hmm. And then at you know, the most. And then I write my book because I want to get a book published. Like I had to stop and think about my goals. And I'm like, I don't want to be just like someone who does a bunch of bar shows every night. Like not, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what I want. Sure. So like, why is that what I'm, why is that the only thing I'm doing? You know? Yeah. And killing myself doing it. Like my God. Hannah Boone, thank you so much for being on the show. This was super lovely. This was great. Um, it's, it's great to finally talk to you. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, uh, I've been I've been watching your work, watching your TikToks and stuff uh, for a while, and it's, it's cool to finally uh, meet you face to face, as it were. Um, and uh, is there anything that you would like to uh, plug? Yes, please. We are going to be back up and running within 2022, January, February. So, um, disordered my podcast. Um, going to be up and running soon. Please listen to the backlog if you haven't listened. Um, and my Twitter is Boone Comedy, B-O-O-N-E. And so is my Instagram. And my TikTok is Comedian Hannah Boone. She's got a fire Twitter, folks. It's really fucking good. <laughs> thank um, you. Her, for sure. All right. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you. 
Thank you once again to Hannah Boone for being on the show. Wasn't she lovely? Wasn't she just so, like, she's just so open. She's just so wise, and she's just so, like, here I am. And it's great. This was the first conversation I've had with her. This is what I love about doing this show. I'll have a literally first time I've spoken to this person on this show. And they are willing to bring such candor and vulnerability. Why? Why do they trust some fucking chump like me with that? I will never know. I guess I'm just lucky. But here we are, and y'all get to enjoy that. Thank you for listening. Hope you don't have COVID. And if you do, I hope you make a speedy recovery. If you're vaccinated, you'll probably be fine. Just, you know, take some rest. Chill out for a bit. Take some vitamins. Drink plenty of fluids. Just chill out. Um, Don't go near anyone, obviously. I don't know. I'm gonna fucking shoot myself, man. Uh, rate and review on iTunes, selfworse at gmail.com if you would like to reach us. Uh, I'm at Radical Pearson on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the show at selfworst on Instagram. Uh, Patreon.com slash selfworst. Listen to some bonus content. I might be making a lot more bonus content soon. Who knows what's going to happen. Anyway, I'm so glad you are all here with me, uh, virtually, as it were. And I'm really taking a leap of faith here that anybody is even still listening to this. And that you are really with me. But I'm with you, if you're listening. And we have each other. We have community. See? Community. One of the big lessons of today's episode. Anyway, let's get through this together. It's going to suck. Life gets harder and harder. But you know what? So do we. We're so much stronger and so much more resilient and so much more fucking grizzled and crazy than we were a couple years ago. Dude, you have no idea the strength you have now. Having gone through the last year... We can do this, I think. We might as well try. Whatever. Music is by Shay Bartell. Thank you, Shay. Hope you don't have COVID. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, get tested and don't die of COVID. Again. <laughs> <laughs>